My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on today's show on what is a crisp autumn morning here in the capital. And I'm delighted to say that I have Lynn Lewis alongside me, the Director of Independent Living at Guinness Care, a subsidiary of the Guinness Partnership. Uh, Lynn, welcome and thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you today. Hi, Scott. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to have been invited and great to um, give a little bit of airtime to what we do at Guinness Care. Yeah, and you've got a lot of experience in the uh, the housing industry, haven't you? Particularly in supported housing over 30 years yeah. in the industry, is that right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I was a kind of a rookie trainee at John Lewis for the first part of 10 years of my career, having left at kind of 16 with not much to show for it, but seen one of these kind of moments where I kind of actually thought, yeah, I definitely want to work in housing. Quite unique, I think, and combining that with care. So here we are 30 years later, um, having worked as an operations director in a number of um, quite large organisations that um, now here at Guinness for the last sort of seven years almost. Um, fantastic organisation, been around for 130 years now and we're really, really proud of, of the work we do and in particular our kind of social value work that we do at Guinness Care. And you spent a lot of time sort of within your leadership roles, sort of managing teams and directing quite complex operations. And I can imagine that it's been no more complex than the last 18 months with the challenges that the COVID pandemic has thrown at you, of course. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everybody says it's been a year like no other or Mm. 18 months like no other. But I think that's pretty much an understatement. Um, I'd like to say that I did it all on my own, but that's not all true. We've got um, in excess of sort of 300 staff that are kind of enablers and carers working in Guinness Care, um, delivering somewhere in the region of 10,000 care and support hours a week to a huge range of customers, um, domiciliary care, generally around older people. We've got lots of um, learning disabilities, um, care and support, which is often building-based, a national portfolio of sheltered housing, and then also extra care services up and down the country. And all of those types of accommodation and service delivery required very different types of intervention, as you may appreciate, Scott. Um, And trying to do that at arm's length has been really, really challenging because for our front-facing staff, they were out there in the front line doing what they do best, which is delivering care and support, and doing that pretty much on their own in quite extraordinary circumstances. So you never think you're going to have to write a letter that one of your carers is going to have to show to the police to allow them to travel to their next care destination. But that really happened. You know, we had carers being stopped on A roads while they were on their runs every morning trying to deliver care to the most in need. You know, we had people becoming absolute experts in interpreting government legislation because it was changing on a daily basis. We all became masters in understanding what the correct PPE should be um, and what particular masks serviced what type of care that we were delivering. You know, it really was quite an extraordinary time. But in all of that, 
the Guinness Partnership was able to provide really strong leadership and really, really strong kind of empathy and motivation, really. You know, we quite often sent out um, well-being packages to all of our frontline staff, mm. which included things like bars of chocolate and, you know, hand warmers, um, a little clip-on PPE sanitizer, those sorts of things. And they really went a long way, Scott, to make our people feel like we were there and we were connected to them. You know, we all fast became absolute experts in Skype and Teams. Mm. You know, from a workforce that wasn't particularly tech savvy historically, they became absolute wizards at jumping on and off, you know, Skype calls and then jumping out to deliver care and support or, you know, negotiating, you know, health and not forgetting that in the background all of the time we were having to make sure that all of our frontline staff got their vaccinations. Mm. We had to organise all of that. We're now organising boosters. We had to kind of lock down services to minimise traffic in and out of um, them to keep our customers safe. Some of our customers may well have had quite significant dementia, couldn't really understand what was going on. Others were very angry. Others were scared. You know, the whole gambit of emotions took over um, and having to negotiate that as a kind of a senior manager really made us all kind of step back and think about what's important you know and I think we've all become much more in tune to asking each other how we are and really thinking about those responses that we're getting back so you know really really pleased to say that our organisation being quite a large organisation, was able to kind of provide things like the Headspace app mm. on, our, on, on our frontline staff mobile phone so that our staff could take five minutes out just to kind of do a bit of breathing and a little bit of mindfulness in amongst all of the kind of the madness, really. Um, so, you know, a takeaway from, from the last sort of 18 months, two years, really is that that opportunity for us all really to check in with ourselves, checking in with our staff and not just thinking about the ordinary kind of KPIs that we were all quite obsessed with in the past and still are to a large extent, but not perhaps not quite as much as we were before. Yeah. We're just a lot more aware of the importance of mental health, both in terms of safeguarding our own and that of our colleagues, aren't we? And it seems that within Guinness Care, you've been so creative in sort of helping keep that morale high, not just, of course, amongst your staff members, but also amongst those that sort of use your services as well and being mindful of their needs amongst all of this. Um, a hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, and, and, you know, don't forget that the backdrop to that as well was also kind of the stuff around the George Floyd and the, you know, Me Too movement. And so, not only were we having to negotiate a pandemic, but we were also having to think about our DNI. So we're running kind of really detailed race fluency courses at the moment, which really helped us to kind of engage with each other on a much more kind of meaningful micro level. You know, what does your interaction mean to me? How am I taking that on? And so much of this has been kind of illuminated with the pandemic going on in the background, you know, it's, um, mm. it's, it's a really enlightening but challenging time, I think, for providers of frontline care services. And anybody that's really in a people industry, Scott, I think, 
Yeah, I'd say we've learned an awful lot from the challenge of the year, the last 18 months of negotiating that. And I think ultimately, I mean, we'll come out sort of stronger for it in sort of leadership roles, won't we? Because I can imagine that business leaders haven't really had much of an experience like this in trying to sort of navigate such a crisis. And that ultimately sort of builds your resilience, doesn't it? And you heed the lessons, you come out of that, and you're ultimately sort of stronger in the long run for surviving this, aren't you? I really, really hope so. I really hope so. And I'm really optimistic, I think, about the future. And I think that, you know, the government's made some some quite substantial announcements, particularly around um, social care and the NHS over mm. the last sort of two or three weeks. And, and, you know, my executive team at Guinness and I are all very, very keen to make sure that some of that money trickles down to our frontline services. Because naturally, you know, as inflation increases, wages are going up, we feel indebted to our staff and we want to make sure that we remunerate them correctly and that we do everything we possibly can to make sure that they've got all of the required tools in their toolkit. But to do that, we need to be well-funded. And if the government do what they say they're going to do and that money trickles down, then I think it's going to be really helpful for us. But, you know, the proof of the pudding and all that yeah, exactly. And there's been some immense reforms um, announced um, with regards to funding the social care sector with that health and social care levy, of course, it's been making the uh, the headlines. Um, now, what the sector is certainly grappling with as well, and this is partially down to as well, the no jab, no job policy, which is a very contentious oh. issue, of course, is uh, the recruitment shortfall within care. And I think yeah. in order to try and combat that side of things, do you think that there is still a little bit of a need to change perceptions toward the um, care industry? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, quite a lot of people are faced with choices, aren't they? If once they're returning to the workforce, some of them have been furloughed and subsequently lost their jobs. They're looking in their kind of on, on the various different websites, indeed, job apps, that kind of thing. And they're looking at the hourly rates that they can get from working in retail or in the hospitality industry compared to social care. And whilst I don't want to kind of get all partisan about things, you know, I know firsthand, having put myself through college and doing all of those care jobs in order to fund my degree, I know how rewarding that was, Scott. I know what I got back from doing that. And I just you know, a, a real call to arms, I think, is what's required. And getting people to understand that it's an incredibly rewarding career care. And there are real prospects for you to kind of go on and develop. I'm living proof of that, Scott. You know, having gone back to college um, after a, a period in retail doing my social care qualification, going on to do my degree and my postgraduate, but all of the, all of the time still practicing frontline care. You know, that, visu- that visible leadership is crucial in order to engage people into becoming carers and also being able to be authentic when we do our inductions, when we're on roadshows, all of that kind of thing. Being able to say to people that are undecided about a caring a caring career look i'm living proof that you can do this 
which is why, you know, the Leaders' Council, just being on this podcast today gives us another platform, doesn't it, to say, come on, let's professionalise this. Let's pay a decent wage for this sector. Mm. For sure. And a lot of our members certainly are within the health and social care bracket, as it were. So I think it's certainly going to go down very well amongst uh, them, this uh, particular message that you're wanting to share. And I think when it comes to the recruitment side of things as well, there is a real opportunity here, isn't there? Because there's been so much goodwill sort of drummed up for health and social care because of how it's conducted itself during the pandemic and being on the front line. And now it's just a case of making the industry just that little bit more lucrative for that talent pool that's out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things um, that our really kind of innovative HR team are doing now is we've just signed up for the Care Friends app. I don't know if that's reached your shores yet, um, Scott, but it's a really great way of carers earning money to introduce other carers to the sector. So, you know, it's a little bit like a leaderboard. You get points for um, joining up. You get points if you refer people. You get points if they sign up and they complete their induction. And then those points are turned into hard cash. So kind of everyone's a winner. We get new members to our workforce and the carer that's done all of the referring get some mon- some additional money in their pocket. So, you know, we've already, even though it's kind of really early days yet for us, we're working in partnership with Care Friends. They've been fantastic at kind of getting the word out there because, you know, from our perspective, what we believe is that good carers know other good carers. You know, we're all fishing in the same pool, aren't we? And it's a smaller pool now, particularly with, you know, the advent of Brexit. So we can't draw on kind of migrant workforces anymore. You know, we have to try and do as much as we possibly can, as you say, to try and make this sector as attractive as we possibly can. So we're thinking again about rewards. We're thinking about how we can make things easier. So kind of working on a fleet of cars, perhaps, because, you know, we've got lots of carers out there that, understandably are having quite a hand-to-mouth existence. They might have kids at school. They might have other caring responsibilities. So being able to have a fleet of cars and saying to those carers, look, don't use your own car. We understand that petrol prices are going up. Jump in one of ours. We want you to get out and about. And if we get the livery right, we're spreading the word as well. So lots of challenges. But, you know, and this is 130 years old, you know, we've 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 survived two world wars. Um, you know, we're just coming out of a pandemic, Scott. I'm absolutely convinced that as an organisation, we'll still be here and we'll still be providing care and support for many years to come. Um, you know, and I and as I said at the start of the of the podcast, I'm immensely proud of of our organisation and the fact that you know against all odds, we're still in there doing care and support when many of our other large registered providers have decided that it's not for them because it's too difficult. And it's testament to what Guinness Care is doing so, so well, isn't it? And um, it's going to be so, so important 
that sort of professionalism, that persistence as we move forward over the uh, the next few years, because it is changing times for social care. And it's going to be very, very interesting just to see how these reforms are going to pan out. And for yeah, and just for yourselves, um, Lynn, um, I was just um, hoping to have a little bit of insight as to what some of your own plans are over the uh, the next twelve months as that sort of starts to take some sort of effect. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, we always want to build and develop. So opportunities for us to dis- develop, you know, bespoke extra care services is always on the ge- the agenda for us. Regeneration, again, is always on the agenda for us. Thinking about partnerships with smaller, innovative providers um, on a very kind of micro level locally um, down in Devon, we partner with a a small care company called Atlas Care who um, run run a really successful um, dementia specialist day service they also do kind of um, memory clinics, so they're able to kind of parachute into our sheltered schemes, run memory clinics, um, and do that in a very subtle way. We're doing lots of work around race fluency, as, as I talked about earlier. We still want to kind of unpick really good practice around work for people with learning disabilities and so making sure that our our documentation is as accessible as possible so that um, everybody's kind of got a level playing field when it comes to understanding what it means to be a tenant and also what it's like to receive care and support. We're just about to go live with um, a new service up in Barnsley and just in the last couple of weeks we're running induction and we've got customers, tenants, going along to those induction sessions with our our employees so that both can kind of walk that journey and understand what it's like to be in each other's shoes. And I think that way, we're really putting customers at the heart of everything we do. You know, being customer-centric, really understanding that customer journey. We've been employing right across um, the Guinness Partnership, Lean Six, approaches to reducing process times, making sure that we are smarter and more agile with what with what we do. Repairs remains a challenge, Scott, but I'm sure you know that. So cracking that kind of good repair service for, for Guinness and other large registered providers when there's a skills shortage mm. is, is also a big nut to crack. You know, so a lot of the kind of the recruitment and retention issues that we're dealing with in Guinness Care are being mirrored in our Guinness property side of things. And what we're trying to do is come together and pull that learning and that innovation because the similarities are really similar. And we're getting there. And we're really pleased that we're getting there. You know, budgeting is a real kind of challenge for us isn't it going into the next financial year it's a challenge for all providers whether they are large or small but again as I said Guinness's pedigree is such that we'll still be here and that consistency and that place that we have in the market particularly in care I think is a really important one and I think we've got a lot to offer smaller organisations that perhaps want to work alongside us 
to share good practice. So we'll definitely be doing more of that. Mm. And hopefully without the uh, the variable of restrictions coming back as well, hopefully we can navigate the colder months of the year and not sort of slide back into any sort of COVID related issues. And we can just focus on the future now and sort of building up the social care sector and fully enacting these reforms. And I think as we do sort of start to understand more about how things are going to be taking shape in the industry, Lynn, I'd actually love to catch up with you and welcome you back onto the programme with us just to see how things are coming along because it's been absolutely fantastic having you on with us and sharing what's been going on within Guinness Care and just your perspective of how things in the social care industry have been panning out of late. Good. Oh, I'm really pleased it's been useful. And, you know, I'm sure that myself or one of my other colleagues in Guinness Care will be only too happy to kind of work with the Leaders' Council in the future. You know, we'd love to We'd love to be a part of that. Thanks, Scott. It's been a real pleasure welcoming you onto the programme, Lynn, and we have to thank you for your time as well, of course, because it's so important in the context of what we're trying to do in getting those real and authentic messages out there from what's been going on in various industries, particularly one which has really felt the effects of the last couple of years. And uh, do as well, take care and stay safe with all still going on until we do hopefully get to speak again. Brilliant. Thanks, Scott. It was a pleasure welcoming Guinness Care's Lynn Lewis onto the programme today and I do hope that all of you tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Um, Until next time, if you feel that you have your own story of success and of innovation to share, then do please visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and you could be the next person appearing on the Leaders Council podcast. We will be back next time with a whole new story of success and of innovation. But until then, take care and goodbye.